Hello and welcome back to the And Dark podcast with myself, Bridget and... And me, Miriam. And today we've got two of our instructors here at And Dark, Dylan and Seth. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you. Hi, hi. Must be slim pickings if you get enough. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You seem nervous. Oh no, I relax as anything. Yeah. <laughs> no need to be nervous. Just slight interrogation. So you guys are full-time at Andark um, as our paddy instructors as well as doing other bits and pieces pieces. Um, so how did you first yeah get into diving well I actually started diving about 13 years ago here actually the let's dive with the family was kind of a a holiday that was in the pipeline so we did the open water referral down here in the pool and then went to the Red Sea to finish it off and yeah to be honest as soon as I hit the ocean that was game over and then just came back and carried on diving throughout my youth with Andark, which actually. Nice. Was, yeah. So how old were you when you got your instructor? How many years was it from you went from kind of open water to then thinking, oh, I want to take this further? Um, I was 12 years old when I got my open water and advanced certifications. And then pretty much soon after I did my rescue with Andark. And then, yeah, once I was 18, I went over to Honduras to do my dive master and then got my instructor as I just turned 19. Oh. Yeah. Did you know straight away, like when you first came here for your referral, and obviously you went out to um, the Red Sea and you carried it on? Did could you feel then that that would be like a career path for you? Could um, you see the future of it, or is it something that you've kind of you keep falling back into? It's something you love, so it's your passion. Yeah, and the, your there's definitely a bit of a lasso factor with it. So yeah, as soon as I came back to the UK, the definitely had the bug and me and my dad were diving on Sunday dives pretty much every yeah. weekend for a couple of years which was really really nice and yeah I guess I think I was about 16 when at one point I was kind of coming down and assisting and helping out in the evenings and stuff like that and I think that was a bit of a seed planted at that point the academic route didn't really work out for me so but being young you yeah know. yeah exactly so I think <laughs> diving was always the that open door which is really really nice yeah. to have Um, And what about you, Dylan? Um, It's a similar story as Seb. So I started here when I was 10. So my mum made me do it, unfortunately, at the time it seemed. Um, So I did the open water course here. And then like Seb, um, I finished out in Egypt because I went into the open water park and absolutely hated it. Being young, small and scared of everything, I was a bit afraid of uh, what was underneath the water at the time because we did it in Portsmouth, I believe. So it was a bit more... Less, uh, less to see and things yep. like that. Oh, Horsey uh, Island. Yeah, yeah, that's that mine. The jellyfish there. Yeah, all that. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I jumped in the water, I was like, nah, I'm not having this. So I ended up just finishing it when I went abroad with my mum and some family friends when we went to Egypt, which is quite nice. Because obviously you get the other side of diving there, don't you? You get the warm side, yep. you get the cold side. So it's a good con- contrast to seeing what's happened. Um, and then from there, I uh, missed out diving for a long period of time and then revisited it when I went to um, finish college. And then that gave me the chance to really do what I want to do in my life. And at that time, I didn't really feel like university was something I really wanted to do. Yeah. So I came here and did this route instead where I left college, came here and then worked my way up the paddy ladder, as it were. And now here I am again working here so I can't really escape this place really no, no matter how, no. I, how hard I try always like a last bit bad draw you back always come running back there's a true love here yeah, exactly but no, I'm very appreciative to be here really because um, I said it's a weird time that we're living at the moment yeah um, so me and Seb are probably one of the few instructors in the world at the moment working full time so that's obviously something I'm very grateful for um, and yeah really pretty much 
about it, really. That's cool. It's it's inspiring to hear that actually, as a child, you were you were quite scared of what was under the sea. Yeah, I I hated it. To yeah. be honest, when I first started it, and so, <laughs> so now when I and look people, where he yeah, is, exactly. yeah, look where I am now. Um, but then going forward, I can then obviously relate when teaching kid courses and things like that. Yeah, I was going to say, do you get that? Them, yeah, you know, you can, I can say obviously to them. sympathise a little bit better because I understand what they went through. But at the same time as well, it's one of those things where we all have to do it right. So it's just a case of trying to get everyone through it when we have yeah. to. Yeah, the magic of facing your fears and then there's beauty beyond that. Yeah, and that's the good thing about diving, really. You're always trying to conquer those fears. And the water is one of those big fears that people do generally have. And obviously it's misunderstood and things like that. So generally when people start coming into diving, they are quite nervous anyway. Because yeah. it's obviously something people have not done before. So it's quite unique in that aspect. What what was it that actually helped you kind of conquer that fear whilst diving? Um, I think being at a young age, when I, obviously when I went on holiday, I had my family and then family friends, they all did it, right? So okay. I was like, yeah. I sort of need to do this, otherwise it's going to look a bit silly on my part. Uh, <laughs> I'm just some <laughs> version there then. Yeah, exactly. Working on my time. Exactly. Um, so at least I got involved in that part. So at the time it gave me motivation, but I suppose being a young kid, you sort of do have that over other driving factors to help you sort of move on to progress, such as family and friends and things like that. Yeah. It's stuff that really do help you get into it. Yeah. So it's being part of like a good community and having good buddies around you as well. Yeah. Which is obviously something that we really encourage here at Andark, yeah. especially on the Sunday dives and like bringing people together and having more of a community to everyone's at different levels yeah definitely. So everyone's here to comfort each other to be honest if it wasn't for andark i'm so lucky to live local but if it wasn't for andark i really don't know how far down the diving path it would have ended up just having such a good facility on your doorstep and that really nice community aspect of it as well the nice social group of being able to repetitively go out yeah with yeah and i think it's like you can do it abroad but it's obviously not as accessible whereas here you can kind of keep it up and then like you say you've both worked abroad and other bits so then you can go off and do the bits yeah exactly but if you're not doing it regularly then you end up sometimes just you know not doing it for years yeah, yeah exactly the continuity helps so much makes you more confident like yeah this, exactly as well keep skills fresh every yeah. day school day right yeah <laughs> <laughs> So what made you, um, was one of the reasons why you both kind of um, wanted to go abroad and stuff, was it because you kind of wanted to travel and then giving sort of your get either then when you got your dive master and then your instructor, the opportunity, I know it's a bit different at the moment, but being able to then work abroad and you've got a skill to go and work yeah, exactly. at different dive centres. Well, I don't think anyone could really complain about living in a nice tropical location for a couple of years and doing something you love on a daily basis, right? It's... Yeah, definitely at the time it was a dream job for sure. But it's nice being homebound and doing all this for a little bit, but I couldn't say I'd never want to do it yeah. again. <laughs> Is there anywhere on your like list that you'd want to go in and teach in a, in a certain country or just visit? Um, I really love to go back to the Philippines. I'd spent a few years there, so I've definitely got quite a lot of ties over there, which, yeah, it's a really, really special place to me. But, yeah, dream locations, working in places like the Galapagos or something would just be... Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah the ultimate goal <laughs> that one comes up all the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> do that and then we'll come out with the trip yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly we'll be there waiting for you yeah. <laughs> the first and dark trip yeah. as soon as all the borders open up yeah <laughs> what about you dylan a sort of a plate because where where have you worked in the world other than obviously um so i've only UK. worked in a few places so i went abroad with my um, girlfriend Miranda, who i met here who both we did our instructor training here and we went abroad 
Um, things when you're, I would say, when you're working abroad, it's well and good you go into these places, but obviously when you're working it can be completely different. So when yeah. we went to Malaysia, lovely place of diving, uh, lovely country and all that sort of stuff, but where we were working attached to um, a five-star hotel, the expectations is obviously going to be differently compared to working at Andal yeah. and things like that. Because when you work in a five-star hotel, you've got to do this with the customers, you've got to do that, you've got to do everything a certain way. Yeah. Um, which can feel quite constricted in a way when it comes to teaching or what you can actually do as a job. Yeah. Um, so then instead of what we did there, we sacked off Malaysia because it wasn't what we wanted in the work environment. And then we found a job in Malta which was perfect. It was working for a hotel again, but it was yep. less strict. There wasn't so many rules about what we could do and stuff like that. So it's all more about us teaching and being able to do what we wanted to do um, within that confined small centre yeah. compared to um, Malaysia where it feel like we we're working for a dictator. It totally depends who you're working for, I think, as well. Because you can go anywhere in the world, right? But it's all depending where the world Yeah, it's still going to be enjoyable, Exactly. Hasn't it, so well? I would say um, I don't mind where I go in the world as long as the work is... Um, sort of fair and yeah. safe to do so because obviously you can go to some places and it's not very safe but it's beautiful so it's always just trying to weigh up the pros and cons of the work and see if you can actually get a job out of it because say if you're going to be working on the Maldives you might be stuck on the island for six months yeah. so it might yeah. be good for the dining yeah. and working but for other reasons you may just sit you're stuck on an island for six months yeah it sounds great and it's good to go on a holiday but for work sometimes you think mm. it can be a little bit much. tricky yeah. so it's always about you yeah. didn't get that five star room did you no yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean we don't get the suite <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we were working for that lovely company yeah. but we had the staff quarters which yeah. obviously in the middle of a jungle no air conditioning <laughs> that yeah. sounds pretty exhausting yeah. Yeah. I like the of that. Exactly. a little bit different to what it is here obviously it's one of those things really but I said it's just all about experiences right so I, as I said I don't have a particular place where I want to go but I do want to obviously go to the major places that everyone says they want to go to. Yeah. Always on the, the conditions that the work is going to be. Yeah. How we yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just um, not taking it for the sake of it. Yeah. When you when you guys went away, did you go away having planned that you were going to work and whilst you were di- like diving, or did you get arrive somewhere and then you find the job? So how does it normally work that way? Is there like a forum before you travel? Where you can get a job? There are forums out there, but um, truth be told, in the in the paddy world especially, it's quite a saturated market as far as instructors go. It's quite okay. competitive. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you don't have multiple languages or you don't have lots and lots of experience, it's actually quite hard to find your entry through that method. Dylan was actually really really lucky to be able to find employment online. Um. I personally knew some people in the Philippines, and that was kind of at the end destination when I was travelling. And they said if you turn up at the beginning of high season, start showing face around a little bit, then, um, yeah, you could be lucky and get you in. So, yeah, basically you showed up on this small little island called Malapasca in the Philippines and was just basically walking up and down the beach for a couple of weeks, hanging out CVs, just showing face, ended up doing some, some freelance work for a dive centre and then they just ended up, yeah, That's taking cool. me on full time for a couple of years, which was really, really lucky. So, yeah, it's so much right place, right time, who you know, yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... So it is something you can do it either way. You can kind of plan yeah. beforehand, but it's a little bit more difficult then, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And again, as Dylan says, there's such a range in uh, sort of quality of employers and facilities as well that if you hire off or get hired off a website ad or something like that, it's quite... You don't know. Yeah, 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 you don't know, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't really know what you're getting. I guess you're getting for. more of a feel for it yeah, when exactly, you arrive somewhere. But of course, the risk 
associate is a bit higher if you're there dawdling yeah. around with pennies left in your pocket looking so for a job. <laughs> 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 you need to fly home Because yeah. <laughs> that was what we're wearing up here in Malaysia. Because obviously when we got there and realised it wasn't for us, we were then looking at other options. Yeah. But then you obviously got to then work out, do we have enough money to fund to be able to go to the other place and maybe to get a chance to work? Or should we just take our safe bets and do the online way where we know we can get guaranteed work? or not just wasting money looking for jobs and things like that. So it's constantly just weighing up where you are in the world and how the dive industry works. Usually in Asia, as Seb said, you just rock up and you go from there. But from our point of view, where I was with Miranda, we like a bit more security, where yeah, you know, we can go somewhere yeah. and got something a bit more to come back to. Because um, the last thing you want to do is run out of money and get stuck mm-hmm. somewhere and get, have to get bailed out by family or anything like that. <laughs> so it's obviously not the best thing, that, is it? So, um, yes. Really. Oh, is the teaching is there certain courses that you enjoy teaching in the UK that have been different from when you've been abroad or is it very similar of course teaching in the UK is, is quite different to teaching yeah, course, and, yeah. yeah the Indo-Pacific but um well yeah of course as well a lot of our UK diving especially the training sites are inland quarries and fresh yeah. water so that in itself is quite different of course there's things like temperature and visibility and stuff that vary quite a bit as well but um yeah we're teaching the same course by the same agency. Of course, you've got to adapt your location as yeah. well. But, yeah, it's it's nice teaching a variety of courses as well, shaking it up a little bit. But, yeah, for example, in the Philippines, we did all of our confined water training, which we do in the yeah. land-up pool here, in sort of lagoons and small sheltered bays and stuff. So it was all salt water beginning yeah. to end, but in pool-like conditions. So, yeah, it varies quite a bit. But, again, it's quite cool sort of seeing a sort of fish swim past when you're doing confined sessions as well. So It's a bit yeah. different, yeah, experience for the yeah. for the students, but that's yeah. understandable, isn't it? If you're in a <laughs> yeah. Lovely tropical climate. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But, again, pros and cons, right? It's really nice having a very safe, confined realm, which is a pool, right? Yeah. It's quite different and not having to think about environmental factors that come into play yeah you've got enough depth for this site because it's low tide to be able to do the skills and everything and like i guess that. if someone's more nervous if you've got someone you know especially doing the skills in the open water like one and two part yeah, yeah. um having that safe environment yeah then, exactly so. and having a bit more flexibility with the scheduling as well if you're not having to worry about boats coming back and forth and everything like that it's works out nicely actually do you have a favorite course that you like teaching here but to be honest a large majority of the courses that been doing recently at open water courses of course the last month unfortunately it's only been commercial orientated yep. training <laughs> so i've been doing a lot of helicopter underwater skate training sessions which has been yeah lots of fun but yeah open water courses it's really nice seeing people come from nothing to yeah. flourishing and falling in love with diving in just four days right it's quite yeah, yeah rewarding <laughs> i guess it's nice when you see them come back yeah exactly and you, you you see them like join the clubs and they're refreshing their skills as well yeah it's like really nice like can you pick someone out straight away and do you find because what some so seb trained me he was my instructor on the advanced diving course and one thing that i found with you seb is a, you have a lot of patience, <laughs> but I think you were really good with picking out certain things in my personality that you could, you could tell straight away uh, things that I was either nervous of that you would make me feel comfortable about, but also where I could be quite scatterbrained about constantly checking over things. You were there on top, like pointing things out and always like reminding me. I think you're quite good at reading people. Oh, thank you. And getting to like understanding them so you know how to work with them. 
Well, yeah, you've got to adapt to the people you're teaching at the yeah. end of the day. You're never teaching exactly the same course twice. So everyone's because, different, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Everyone's got certain different needs or certain different queries or whatever it may be, even down to potentially their physical, sexual, whatever. Some people may struggle, <clears throat> excuse me, putting on cylinders and stuff like that. You, of course, you've got to adapt the way you teach to the individuals, and it's really important to read and, yeah. of course, yeah, see how you're going to implement that sort of adjustments to it. Yeah. That's interesting. So, because I just, it's, it's nice to always hear like, what someone can see that like with your skills and where you can take them afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really nice also seeing people that, yeah, do realise that there is still a long way to go. Like again, I'll happily say there's certain areas of my diving that I'd love to improve, and it's really nice people kind of acknowledging right that's not just me done. I'm yeah, diving yeah, now. Yeah, I've, I've got, got a ticket. ticket. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's that constant willing to learn and better yourself, yeah. which is nice. Because something you always pointed out to me with buoyancy, yeah. which I think that is one one Pretty of the vital. main things. Pretty yeah. yeah, one of the main things, and once you oh, like we were discussing it earlier, like that's probably one of the most important courses to probably keep refreshing. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the time it is kind of overlooked, and yeah, people will happily get in the bad habit of doing hundreds and hundreds of dives, not a neutral buoyancy. Yeah. yeah. And. Yeah, it's actually, once you get in that bad habit, it's potentially even harder to overcome. So the more you focus on those sort of aspects at the initial point, the more it's going to become subconscious and second nature and only going to help you diving and, and more enjoyable further down the line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's depending where you're diving, different conditions, um, yeah, your buoyancy can change, can't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. It's freshwater, saltwater, of course, diving in the UK in dry suits, especially in the wintertime. If you're going to go in the summer months into the sea with the with a wetsuit then of course all of that's going to come into play so of course learning how to weight yourself correctly and knowing and getting the sensation of when you correctly weighted and weight distribution so you fall into trim much better as well it's all things yeah as i say it's worth really really getting that nail on the head yeah. at an early point that well, comes with practice doesn't yeah it, really, exactly so. when when you said like you there's different aspects of your diving weight that you would like to obviously enhance and develop where is there any way you would like to take it uh, like you're an instructor now past the instructor stage do you would you consider commercial or um i thought about commercial diving a little bit but to be honest it's if it's something i was going to do i'd quite want to set a good few years aside commit to it obviously have the financial backing to set myself up for it and really try and get my foot in the door if that makes sense I do really, really enjoy the recreational instruction side of things, but I do also really enjoy tech diving. So if I was going to progress any further, it'd probably be towards like a technical yeah. instructor route. But yeah, that's not happening tomorrow. No. It's probably <laughs> in the yeah. pipeline for a few years' time, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> how about you, Dylan? Um, for me, I would say I've, I've never done any sort of technical diving before. Because um, I said I've only just really gotten to diving, really jumped straight into the professional route from when I was 10. So... I haven't really had much chance to go out and enjoy diving myself. So I would say before I even do anything like that, I'd just like to go on some holidays, just do some diving where I'm not have to worry about 10 people behind me. Yeah. Not really going to run yeah. Out there, not really just doing it for the pleasure. Of, doing it for yeah. the pleasure bit, really. Because I, I dabbled into the commercial um, into the commercial world. I really enjoyed the, uh, the lucky opportunities I'd be given to work um, through Andaf and through external companies to be able to give me some work. 
But again, it's one of those things, do I want to see myself go down that route further? Because again, it's a lot of money to get the training. I need to actually weigh up what I actually want to do with my life. And it's one of those things <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not too sure I want to be chucking thousands and thousands of pounds. Just so you got to commit to it, haven't you, yeah, if you're yeah. going to yeah. do it? And I think if you do, you've obviously got your first stage of commercial ticket that you did here, but yeah. doing then like surface supply and stuff, you know, it is a big commitment. And if you're not going to use it, then yeah, exactly. there's like no point doing it. it so. Yeah. so I've just recently started my technical diving adventure, so to speak so hopefully in the summer I can start picking that up more and start delving into that more but I suppose it's the thing is I try not to do is try not to do too much at once otherwise if I do let's say I do com- more commercial courses I'm just going to completely forget what I did at mm-hmm. all the technical diving so I'm just going to do things nice and slowly but my main is at the moment just go on holiday and actually to enjoy diving without worrying about anyone behind me so to speak and things like that so yeah so you miss the hobby recreational stuff yeah because I never really got to do diving. it really I've only seen to be doing it the um sort of professional route really i've never i've only probably done about six seven dives untrained so to speak or without training people so it'd be nice to go on like a liverboard holiday something like that just a chance so i can actually which is something we're planning on doing yeah. here at and yeah. there we go so... look how that turned yeah. out yeah. <laughs> i could be your buddy <laughs> obviously i'll be uh well past the advanced there. there. <laughs> you won't have to worry about me. I'll be very saying. neutral with my buoyant. Yeah, you better. Let's make your instructor proud there. Yeah. <laughs> with my flip, fine flippers on. <laughs> A.K.A. Finn. Yeah. yeah. There we yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, goggles over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting to see from two different instructors' perspectives and, and where you want to go with different things and, and like how you both got into like instructing there's such a a wide range of opportunities where you really want to go with it and it's kind of yeah it's that ladder of as i said always just like potentially wanting to progress with it because do you open what you do advice do you rescue do you dive master your instructor staff instructor right i'm going to start tech diving where do i take that further right do my cave courses where do i take that further do you rebreathe the courses and then start integrating try and make all of this and everything like that it's it's so much to learn so many different potential bits of equipment that you can start becoming familiar with as well and that's all basically well I say all in certain types of equipment you're starting back from square one again and it yeah. really does take a really, really really long time years to potentially get back to top level with it to going from for example open circuit to closed circuit rebreathers and stuff like that yeah you're then starting oh, yeah. off as a beginner again, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> the annoying thing is being a scuba dive instructor you don't necessarily have the wage to pay for these lovely courses that you want to do so it's, it's one of those like, <laughs> wish list type of things really. So if you wouldn't mind heading over to Dylan's donation page. <laughs> yeah. Brand. yeah. We'll put a link below. Keep these instructors in a job. <laughs> they do it for free down here at Anzal. Yeah. The love of the job. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. 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 And you'll see the tip box on the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I gave you a pound last time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I was going to say what um, we have kind of like talked about um, like bucket list stuff of where you'd like to do. We didn't touch on sort of UK stuff. Have you got a, a favourite UK dive site? Favourite UK dive site? Um, 
on the cash, probably, or well, I say probably, definitely Chesil Cove over on Pornaville towards Weymouth. Really, really beautiful site. Yeah, in the summer months, especially at Crack and Biz out there. Get some really cool species of marine life down there. You get to see cuttlefish and dogfish and stuff pretty frequently. Um, and there's, yeah, small little kelp beds and stuff around. It's really pretty. But going out your way, definitely Lundy. Lundy Island, going playing with the seals. It's really cool. I'd love to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I would absolutely love that. We'll, we'll do it next. Yeah, we did a trip this year, but yeah, we'll do it next Especially year. after Mike's um, description of being humped like a desperate puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you want to do it? Yeah, yeah. yeah those seals. <laughs> I've just I've read some really nice articles about people's dive trips with seals being like, they're like playful puppies yeah. that follow you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just turn around and they're nibbling yeah. on your <laughs> <laughs> no, they're adorable. Yeah. Um, How about you? For me, I've, I haven't really done much UK diving, unfortunately. As I said, I've, I've only done the diving that I've associated myself with Vandark. I've only done myself a Swanage Pier dive and a Chesil Beach dive. Those are the two, believe it or not, UK dives I've done. So your favourite would be Andark Lake? I would say. Yeah, of course. Andark Lake is probably my best. best How could I forget? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, honestly, like, it, the quarries, I was pretty surprised like, when I was getting into the water. Like, a place like Bobstow and Chepstow, for what they are and what you can do, I think it's pretty plenty. And as you know, conditions in the UK are pretty rough most of the time, anyway. So the the fact we have the option to do quarry dives is something that I feel like we're quite lucky to have, especially at Bobster and and that they have quite a good outfit outfit with wrecks and obviously with depths and things like that. So you can generally do most um, types of diving in these quarries, but obviously you don't get the the wildlife and the wrecks compared to in the sea and things like that. Yeah. Um, I also like to do Lundy and also like to head up to Scotland and things like that to visit the old wrecks. Yeah, yeah I like Scarborough. Scarborough. I've heard lots of good things about there, and it's a good variety of diving there. They've got good wrecks from, is it World War One, or World War II? I can't remember which one it is, but one of the World Wars. Um, I should, probably should know this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, sunk, we didn't uh, say we were good at history here. Today. Yeah, <laughs> that's not too bad. Um, Let you get away with that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, but I believe it's one of those places in the world that they say people need to go dive, so it's one of those places I will eventually be working my way towards. But again, it's just finding the time and money to be able to yeah. do it really, isn't it? So. And getting your tech set beforehand as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's all these things you sort of need to do to be able yeah, to Yeah, Graham said about that, actually, yeah. didn't he? That um, Scarpa Flow is one of his ones that we said Top about choices. doing it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. it's, and then you need to Add do a tech on. trip up there. Yeah. Once everyone's... I like the fact that we're just accumulating a list of places Where we to want add to, to the go, end yeah. trip. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the only reason. This is a bit of research yeah. for our trip. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to have a chat yeah. with me. <laughs> yeah. Add that one on there. Yeah, I'm the list. Chat with as well. How about you, Bridget? Where would you like to dive? Where would I like to dive? Well... Out of your many podcasts you've done here, you must have some wide... Well, actually, Scot- Scotland is was is top of my list, especially after now I've done my dry suit um, course. Helps. So I I feel I could handle that cold water, yeah. the uh, old Baltic water. Um, yeah, I, I, Scotland, but Lundy and Lundy Island. And she to wants be to honest, see those seals, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> I really want to see the seals, but I would actually quite like to just dive at Swanage as well. I haven't actually done any UK diving apart from Bobster. Yeah. I I my I did my open water when I was in Indonesia with Mim and we were Bali. out on the Gillies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we were out in Bali and we went out to Gilly Tea and we did our diving there. 
and then I went out to the Andaman Islands and I was diving around the Andaman Islands. I'm going to pretend well, I know where that is. But... Well, it's it's part of India, but it's actually closer to Thailand. It's a set of islands that are closer to Thailand, yeah. yeah. It's a, a very nice for diving out there. They've got... Um, what are they called? I'm You've got the indigenous islands and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Untouched. Untouched islands yeah. and tribes that have never seen people outside of yeah. their island. Yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a really beautiful place. So, yeah, my place of diving here has only really been Andark Lake and Bobster. But I was actually really pleasantly surprised by the visibility of Bobster. Yeah, on a good day, it's yeah. So... For me, I actually, because I want to enhance my skills before I really can go diving and, like, obviously you you practice every time you go diving, but I really kind of want to... Good practice. Yeah, yeah I need practice. some good yeah. practicing. So I, I think my next spot would probably be Bobster again. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then some Sunday dives. You yeah. Know, so, to do, yeah, I'd like to join on the Sunday dives and... Get you in the yeah. UK Yeah. Well, so the next thing for me is to look into getting my fourth element dry Ooh, suit. Yeah. Mm. Very very yeah. excited about the one incoming. Yeah. <laughs> Been waiting ever so patiently for. Do <laughs> worth it. I've heard this debate between dry suit or wetsuit. So is 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 there a toss up between it? So there's... not in winter months in the UK. No, so it is just a always a dry suit, really. <laughs> yeah. But in the summer, um, will you, you always still... teach in a dry suit? I I've never dived in a wetsuit in the UK, and I have done much UK diving, yeah, and everything, yeah. but I've always just dived in a dry suit. Yeah, it's, it's never been that warm for me. But again, if it's if it's a warm summer's day and you have to do somewhat of a long. Um, walk with your equipment on the surface I'll probably wear a wetsuit but usually the diving you do it's about five meters from the van usually so you just jump straight in the water yeah. obviously if it's a baking hot summer's day and you're stuck on the beach mm. yeah, wet best thing in the yeah, world no, yeah. it's quite nice in the day to cool down as well because obviously it's nice to cool down and obviously get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter isn't really the best thing in the world no. yeah. in the summer sort of ruins your dive pretty quickly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah especially yeah. when you jump in and you dry seat and you're already drenched through the sweat <laughs> yeah i guess that's a nice thing about dry seats as well especially if you're diving in a tri-laminate suit you have the flexibility of layering up lots over winter and obviously layering down over summer as well and i think it's one of those things that if you are regularly diving in a dry seat as well you get very comfortable with the equipment yeah familiarity yeah. and just again continuity of it all as well once you've got your weights and everything down it just seems like a bit more of a consistency i guess if you are diving in the same yeah. suit so yeah, you would go dry suit i i'm dry suit yeah yeah, yeah i was okay. dry suit interesting yeah but yeah. of course not wearing nearly as much underneath as i am now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah what so. about um so we've kind of asked everyone what three products they would recommend a yeah, diver should own um, what would you say would be for like a newbie diver that, um, or you know, wanting to progress? What are the must, must haves? The must haves. Well, I've had, in terms of dive computer, a D six, uh, I by Sinte for yeah ever, and they're absolute bomb proof. Wear it all the time as a watch, and I wear it all the time as a computer as well. It's yeah, I couldn't really fault it to be quite frank with you. Um, so yeah, dive computer wise, again, just small and easy. That's probably one of my big recommendations. 
Number and I suppose one. you can wear it all the time and if you're going abroad and then you can log your dives on it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the and the, the safety aspect as well of actually having everything logged if anything were to yeah. go wrong as well. It's really, really important. Of course, the dive planning and the flexibility wearing a computer actually gives you as well. Again, it's a very personalised bit of equipment. You're not just relying on a dive guide to tell you what is and isn't yeah. safe. So that's quite a nice safety barrier to add. And it's um, becoming, I suppose, a more like responsible diver, isn't it, of taking care of yourself as well? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, yeah, I promise this isn't an upsell, but actually diving with a backup computer as well is not a silly thing to do. Because yep. if you're doing lots of repetitive dives and dive computer fails, and say you're on holiday or something, you spent lots of money being there and spent a lot of money on diving already, if your computer fails, then if you wanted to be safe and conservative about it, you're out of the water for yeah. a day until you're, you're safe to go again, right? So actually having a backup computer allows you to be able to continue diving which is quite a few people have like a big face one and then have a like like yeah exactly exactly and again just future proofing the product you're you're looking to invest in it's potentially a nice thing having a large computer like a large computer potentially even the led color screen as well if you're diving in low visibility environments gloved hands being able to use the buttons and everything be able to see of course and yeah it's thinking about what conditions you're going to be doing exactly exactly and yeah, buying one product that suits all, right, and not having to have to buy three different computers over the next three years because you didn't think about it in the yeah. first place. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, I guess another bit of kit is Scuba Pro regs. Can't fault, again, be diving with the same regs for 13 years. So, Mark 17, S600, second stage. Absolute bomb proof as well. He knows his products. <laughs> yeah. I did spend about a year working in the shop as well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah those are probably the big two and thirdly i guess i don't even own it yet but i'm really 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 excited about this fourth element dry suit that's coming so that hopefully will be in the top three as well but because it's kind of made to then you know it's then your own isn't it so it's fitted to you yeah exactly kind of important, isn't it? if you are going to do a lot of uk yeah cold water diving yeah exactly and the features that come in it as well it's it seems like a really really durable suit it's got everything that i could ever want on a dry suit on it of course being able to customize it to how you'd like it spec wise but also the the biomapping made to measure aspect yeah. of it as well it's a very personalized bit of kit so yeah pretty pumped about that <laughs> We'll do a review once it's come. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hear me writing a raving yeah, for an yeah. hour. <laughs> well, that would be a video one. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Live <stream>. model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give us a twirl. <laughs> How about you, Dylan? So, for me, it's obviously the first two pieces of equipment that Seb has mentioned already, obviously, would be the computer, which I'll go into again. Yeah. Another pot would be masks, which I'm sure lots of people have mentioned already before. Yeah. It's always good to have your own personal mask. There's nothing worse if you have a mask that's leaking all the time and things like that. But my third equipment I would highly recommend people get is something you can use for pockets. So whenever I go diving, always make sure I have pockets with me. So yep. I can put rubbish, I can put my DSMB, I can put anything in there that I need. Obviously with dry suits, they tend to come with pockets anyway. But in my wetsuit diving, I have a pair of Apex um, like oh, shorts. shorts. Yeah, yeah, tech shorts. Them. Tech shorts. And I just use them basically to put my slates in for teaching, my DSMB, my compass, and any rubbish I found on the dive and things like that. It's always good just to have extra pockets so you can actually put stuff in because you never know what you're going to find on the dive. And it's always good to have things organised so that you have space. So you know it. where it is. So nobody's not crowned in your BCD, right? Yeah. So when you inflate your BCD, you don't feel your uh, reel pressing against your ribcage and things like that. Just like having a bit of extra pockets to have a lot more ability to carry extra things down the water with me. So. Much more streamlined sure. than having yeah. an S&B flapping around, clipped off to you two as well, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. So I'd always recommend pockets. Well, obviously, if you're going to put stuff in pockets, just make sure you obviously, when you 
taking stuff out that you obviously don't drop anything and things like that so just make sure everything has its own clip because um, inside the pockets generally has like d-rings and everything like that so you can obviously can clip everything off just so if you go on a dive and open your pocket nothing's this is all going to fall out be a bit yeah all that rubbish that you picked up yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then you've lost your smb yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just complete chaos but i would say pockets have definitely saved me over the um, over the years i would say with helping me out with um carrying things for people and all those bits and pieces really i think it's really un and um unappreciated bit of pocket space yeah. yeah especially if you're taking people in the water for the first time as well just taking a spare mask or two as well if they were to have mask issues again just having that sort of like contingency backup equipment as well which is quite nice yeah it's a lot of things to think about isn't it actually yeah. but um yeah it's always having a, a plan yeah exactly. i guess you learn it every like you're picking this up every single time yeah. once yeah. you make yeah. a mistake you realize yeah. sort of thing and you're like, oh, okay, make notes, <laughs> yeah. take that hey, with that me time. next time. So it is a case of just keep diving and then by by fault or by, like, Have you not error, too large of a fault? No, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Small fault. Yeah. 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 You actually know for better for next time. Yes, so But yeah. I think having a few different instructors over the course of your diving career... Um, of course, you're going to learn lots of different things from obviously broad and backgrounds and stuff like that as well. But I think your tech qualification actually teaches you a lot more about sort of contingency planning yep. as well. So that, again, has massively influenced what gear I take with me and how I go about just even teaching recreational courses now, which is, yeah, it can only be a positive thing, right? Definitely. Yeah. Contingency is key. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> In safe hands with Seb. Yeah. <laughs> Bridget's got experience with that. Yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, he's got a lot of patience. <laughs> For someone that just wants to jump in the water. <laughs> no, no, checks first. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go play. Yeah. yeah, especially when I knew we were wreck diving. Now that was fun. Yeah, you got but you were, yeah, but you were very strict with the whole, maybe stay outside of the wreck and... How, what was it a meter away from the wreck there's social distancing with the wreck as well isn't it? yeah because yeah. 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 one of the requirements on that dive is to identify underwater hazards yes yeah. yes so yes, i don't want to get you too close on some yes. nasty rusty bits no and i did i picked them all out as well yeah yeah eyes of a hawk then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> point a bit here point yeah. a bit here seb hmm? <laughs> Funny games. <laughs> Do you have a course that um that you would recommend, sort of yeah, an, either an open water or an advanced diver, um to do as a specialty? Is there one that stands out for you that that will help you, um, you know, become a better diver? I think your nitrox specialty is actually, yeah, massively overlooked, especially by quite a lot of the the UK divers that are typically doing sort of shallow shore dives. Yeah. Um, because I'm a massive advocate of yeah. I think knowing the theory of diving is really, really important to help keep you safe. But I do personally find it quite fascinating as well, knowing the physics and sort of, yeah, how it does come into play biologically and stuff like that as well. And your nitrox, I think, is a bit of a an unlocking key to all of that as well. Yeah. So even though it's just a dry course, the the benefits of diving nitrox, following that and yeah. having the ability to do so, because of course you're not allowed to dive with a higher percentage of oxygen if you don't have to take it. Um, it does allow a lot more flexibility to your diving. It can also be used to add conservatism to your diving. But yeah, again, the affiliated theory behind it as well. And again, I guess you could kind of say it's sort of like your first baby step down the technical diving route as well. We're starting to play yeah, around the blend of breathing. Yeah, one of the one prerequisites that you Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah, a few of course, I think really helps your understanding of what's going on down there as well which is quite interesting 
How about you, Dylan? Um, so, it depends, obviously, on the qualification, right? So, if, yeah. you're, if you're advanced, I would really like people to move on to the rescue course. Yeah. So that I can obviously start to understand and start to be looking outside the picture regarding looking after themselves so they yeah. can then start looking at looking after people which ultimately from an instructor's point of view um down the line that may say if you have a rescue diver on a big group they may be able to help um someone at a point that you missed yeah um obviously if you're an open water diver i would obviously say go on to advance then because yeah. if you go into the advance that gives you a large scope of um types of diving that you'll be doing um, so that can give you an idea of what sort of avenue you want to go down, specialty-wise. So you, as I said, you do five different specialties. Um, obviously, if you like those five specialties, then you can go on and do them even more after you've done the course. Yeah. So you can sort of choose which path you go to. Obviously, people's buoyancy is good. I like to enhance that, but I like people seeing that next step because then you can actually see the progression coming from naturally. And also then you can get to see... Um, what their strengths and weaknesses are and how they want to take their diving. But obviously, it's a good thing to know rescue course is pretty vital out there because you never know when you're going to get put in a rough situation. And it's always good to know that you can um, save yourself as well as yeah. other people's. Yeah. Pretty good, I would say. Keep Pre- looking at me, don't you, Dylan? Do it. <laughs> 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 we have actually said, we've discussed yeah. this, it's... Yeah. it's it's top of the list yeah. <laughs> but yeah even just fun diving in between courses just keeping those skills fresh and applying skills that you've learned during your course hopefully not rescue skills that is but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but things that you've learned in your open water course right again just practicing basic filling like good buoyancy and stuff like that because the more competent you are the more you can almost be challenged and learn and absorb in your advanced course as well yeah. and again yeah. if you're just cycling straight through back to back courses once you get to your rescue course if you haven't really found competency in your buoyancy and stuff like that maybe you might find that a little bit more challenging as well so actually having this practice prior and in between courses and again just that continuity of just keeping practice yeah, and keeping yeah. on to then you can yourself. kind of make note of different things exactly that you pick yeah up and yeah, and I think it is quite important not to be, of course, overly critical, but uh, like self-criticising yourself to an extent yeah. as well and realising areas of improvement as well. And yeah, again, just having that mentality. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it, there's all, on all courses, there's a lot to learn, isn't it? It's not beating yourself up about exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Actually, okay, I'm going to practice that today. Or, yeah. You know, go when you do go diving, if it's, you know, pleasure diving on a Sunday dive, think, okay, today I'm going to work on this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. the more you do the more relaxed you're going to become aren't you? yeah definitely but yeah of course if you enter a course and you can already do it then why are you doing the course right you're there to learn and yeah. not necessarily to say that you're going to become an absolute god in this specific skill being set in the whatever a lot of time it is it's skills to introduce that you've practiced your instructor's seeing all right that is a level of decent competency not to say that it can't be improved though and that is for you to start practicing your own time at that point yeah Cool. Thank you, guys, yeah, for thanks very much. joining us in the cupboard today. Yeah. 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 Lovely. It's been great. <laughs> love to do barriers. Yeah. <laughs> nice pink deck shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Please do take a pair on the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just your colour. Is there anything else? Um, Bridge, you want to uh, add? Probably personal things of where do you think I need to improve? <laughs> <laughs> But we can touch on that later. That's, uh... I have a bit of one-on-one tuition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not for public knowledge. Uh, yeah. yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Don't want to disclose that information. <laughs> um, no, I think I think we've we've touched on ma- mainly everything that I want. Yeah. 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 yeah lovely. Happy days. Thanks for, really for joining us. Well, thanks for the mild interrogation. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's not so bad. It's not so bad. <laughs>
It's just the videos that will be next that oh, you'll right. have to when yeah. your dry suit comes. Yeah, right. I get just my cat down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, yeah thank you, you very much. Speak to you next week.